Welcome to another edition of Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC 260, Paul Shaughnessy, joined in studio by Cody Saftik, off of the heels of a overwhelmingly successful uh, card. I know you weren't on neck, Tat. That's uh, tough one, scene. Tough scene. One. You should have listened to me. Yeah, I know I could have hit a PRP, kind of, I don't want to say out of the shoot. Or almost and you would have made so much money on that PRP with the plus 300 in there. Yeah, well, it would have juiced the hell out of it. But mm-hmm. all in all, good week. And I think we were obviously due for, I wouldn't say a bounce back. I just mean like a, a good shake all in all. But yeah, in this game, you're only as good as your last event. So mm-hmm. we're coming off a good one at least. And we roll into this, which looked like an absolutely dynamite, sick, loaded UFC pay-per-view offering. And it's crazy how we've just had a bunch of, I want to say more or less random prelim-ish fights fall off. But the one that they did lose, Volkanovski-Ortega, single-handedly just changes the face of the entire card. You mm-hmm. still get your sweet main event, right? That's pretty dope. Tyron Woodley, you know, we'll get to that one. But you know my long, long-standing thoughts on Tyron Woodley in the co-main event. It is what it is. Sean O'Malley, okay, he's back. You know, okay, fun little fight. And then, and then relatively, it's just your average run-of-the-mill fight night. So losing a title fight five rounds, which was going to be an absolute banger, which I would have had an awesome time just breaking down with you. We'll have to wait to another day. 100%. All right, before we get into the action here, make sure you smash the like. Tell a friend. Spread the word. That uh, we're offering free picks here every single week. Are um, we offering free picks or are we just shooting the shit, doing the discussion, saying our picks? We're two buddies that have known each other for over a decade now. And if people like it and want to tail Mr. the Technicality, picks, are we not offering our picks? Well, we're not well, selling our picks, I'll yes, tell you that much. First of all, we're not tout service. Yeah, 100%. But no, I mean, you, you get messages if you get a wrong pick that they're like, man, you said pick this guy. I said, I said, I'm picking this guy. Yeah. This is who I'm I saw you taking with. some heat for like for having Shay on buys on your parlays, which went what ten out of eleven. Uh, was there eleven fights on the card? Or ten, nine out of ten. I think 10? it was ten. So it was nine, nine for ten, but we hit four. Yeah, you hit ninety percent of the fights, and people are like, "Oh my god, you're such an idiot." We would have had a ninety-five to one type of parlay. It's like. Yeah, I don't know. Guys, Ground robbing them, you asshole. Like, leave Cody alone. Dude, on my Friday show with Oz.com, I, I picked Trevin Giles to beat Roman Deletes, and you should have seen the fucking heat. Now, mind you, it ended up being a really close fight. That could have gone either it way, really but could've. Giles wins, and then those that's just a pick that it's like, oh, you get it. But again, you got to move on to your next one, and the UFC does you no favors, man. That's been a theme in 2021 is the matchmaking's been a lot better, and the, the level of competition has been all around really low. So you get a lot of these guys that maybe aren't, UFC caliber, so to speak, matched up against each other, and they're matched up well against each other. So you get tough spots. This is another fight, a card that's exactly the same. But, you know, there's certain fights that I really like, and there's other ones that I'm like, yeah, you can make a pretty solid argument either way. All right. Uh, this week, obviously, like every other week, there's going to be uh, lots of lots of content on Mayo Media Network. You got the Mad Lab uh, with his buddy. Name escapes me right now. They the break discs. down the main event every single week. It's always kind of a fun little way that they break it down. It's it's more just two guys shooting the shit. And you got Brett Apley giving you his DraftKings picks on Friday. So make sure you sub to Mayo Media Network so you don't miss any of that ish. All right. We got uh, Francis Ngannou taking on Stipe Miocic the second time this fight has went down anybody who's listened to this show for a long time knows where my heart and my Mm. soul is on this fight so I'll let you start and then you know I'm coming back if 
if you choose a certain way. Okay, so it's just going to go down the exact same way as the last time, where I was on Team Stipe, you were on Team Francis Ngannou, and either of us are going to have a hell of a good chance of winning this fight. I think Stipe Miocic still has the wrestling advantage. I think he still has the cardio advantage. I think he still has the later round experience and the overall back class and experience. I admit Francis Ngannou is the hardest hitter in the division, and if he hits Stipe and... Let's be honest here, Stipe is known to get hit. If he hits him, it's going to be a world of trouble. He did hit him in the first time. Stipe took the punches, did get hurt at certain points. But again, I just think you just grind through and try to get this guy and beat him down. You know what, man? Watching this over made me feel real old. I don't know how you feel about it, right? But with Stipe Miocic, man, I remember this guy debuting in the UFC, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we were already well into the game. I started watching in 2006, but I was well endowed in the UFC when he made his debut in... 2011, right? Well endowed? Is that the word? Is that what you said? Yeah. I think that that means you have a big dick. What's up? I had a big dick by the time he (laughs) debuted in the UFC because I was already a man, apparently. But it's 2011, you know? We started a fight network in 2011. Stipe just breaks in. Meanwhile, with Francis, and he was the young buck. Francis Ngannou breaks into the UFC, and it was the same thing. He debuted in, I think, 2015, but 2014, maybe. But... He, he was the young buck. And we would routinely talk about them like, oh, they're the young heavyweights in the division. Stipe, maybe not so much, but with, really with Francis Ngannou, it's like he will have his chance. He's only 28 years old. He's only 30 years old. He's only 31 years old. Looking at this back and it's like Stipe's almost 39 years old. Frankie Murder's almost 35 years old. Like I think he's 34, sorry. But 34, yeah. Yeah, he's 34 years old. It's just like, my God. Like, both guys are kind of, you would think, nearing that prime mark. Yeah, it's the heavyweight division, though. You can fight until 40. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get back why I'm going to fray Francis in this spot. So you go out and you see where he just runs through everybody in his in, in, in the UFC. He gets, comes in, debuts, debuts hot. He beats Luis Henry, who despite taking him down, he just powers his way back up, touches him, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Curtis Blades, he touches him a few times, ice swells up, the ref calls it off. Boyan, holy shit, man. Can you imagine we used to laugh at guys like Boyan, and now Boyan would fit in... And probably beat a few guys in the UFC. Like who? who Boyan versus Harry Hunsucker. Like Worst guy I gotta, I gotta do some tape study. But that one's close. <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Hamilton. Like again, but all first round knockouts. Andre Arlovski, Alistair Overeem. That's an impressive one. All first round knockouts. When he ran into Stipe, it was the first time he had been beyond the first round. You saw him noticeably get tired. You saw him noticeably run out of ideas. He doesn't really have combination boxing. He just has, like, that big power. We'll talk about the Yerozino-Rosenstruck fight where he just, like, looks extremely sloppy throwing his hands. But, like, that that's his boxing, right? And it's kind of always been that way. It's not super technical. Stipe's able to expose him on two, on two grounds. One, the takedowns. Two, the cardio. Even though Stipe definitely got tired himself, it was a five-round fight, it was a good pace. When he needed to find that extra gear and get the takedown, when he needed to find that extra gear and grind this guy down, he did every time. Francis, meanwhile, Francis was in the prime of his life as an adult male, but was just inexperienced. The Lewis fight, mental lapse, doesn't let his hands go at all. Again, this is the only other fight in his career that he's lost that has gone beyond the first round, right? So now this historic run he's been on, he clips Curtis Blades, doesn't have the greatest chin, I suppose, but to me, that's a very notable win. You can't take that away from him. He defeats Cain Velasquez, the absolute shot, destroyed, non-existent version of the Cain that we all know and love. But it's still a big name on the resume that you can't take away from him. Junior DeSantos just got released from the UFC because, let's face it, he can't hack it with the with the new age heavyweights. He's on a bad I downswing. Mean, what do you mean? We, we're just talking about Harry Huntsucker. And we're talking <laughs> right, about right. Boyan. 
right. can't hang with the heavyweights. He can hang with the heavyweights. They just he, he gets can, paid too much. Exactly. He can to, hang for the heavyweights with, for two hundred thousand dollars to show. Yeah. Right? Harry Hunt. They want to give him twelve. 12 if he wanted to take twelve and twelve, Junior Dos Santos would still be a UFC heavyweight. Yeah, no doubt about that. And then he beats Erosino Rosenstruck, who again, very one-dimensional guy in that he's super hesitant, never lets his hands go. But if he does let them go, he kills you. And he defeats all of those guys: forty-five seconds, twenty-six seconds, a minute eleven, and twenty seconds. And that's a span of three years, Paul. Mm-hmm. So to me, he's let the best years of his career go by. The different Why? Because he just hasn't really gotten in the work. You know, he hasn't really gone in there and like done the paces. Whereas even though Stipe's taken a lot of damage, and Ngannou's taken none. He's taken no damage. What's he supposed to do? Not kill people in the first round? <sighs> I just, he's not active is what I'm saying. He he's only, in the gym all the time. In the gym all the time. But he's just he just fights the number one or two guy, whatever is like, not who's ever available. It's like who, whoever's there. Like, sure. go, go and fight Alexander Volkov. Like, go and fight some of these guys that maybe aren't so good but might try to wrestle you down. Like, Kane, uh, Curtis got caught. Kane got caught. Those are the only two wrestlers in the bunch. So you haven't seen anybody take him down with any success. But Stipe figures to probably be able to go in there and do that. And as far as the striking goes, like, Stipe has good striking. But the main difference I want to see is that the cardio, because listen, he had he had bad cardio in the Curtis in the uh, Derek Lewis fight where he just opted. Nah, he he just, didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. I Paul. wouldn't say that was cardio. That was, was just mental literally lapse. mental lapse. He got his ass beat against Stipe the first time and knew he got exhausted and didn't want to do it again. And didn't want to do it again. It was a mental lapse. I think that was a real turning point in his career where he says, "I'm not going to be the most technical guy," you know. Cyril Gagne, who he was training with at that point in time, this guy's a lot more technical as a striker than me. I'm just going balls to the wall to take your head off. And since he's done that, four straight knockouts, first round in, what, like less than two minutes he's been fighting for the last, like, four years. Okay, so you're the biggest Frankie guy ever because similar to Vince Bichelle, while Vince Bichelle you've got his losses too, right? Uh, in Frankie's case, you've backed him every single fight, and they'll do. A lot of people faded him. The Curtis Blades fight, the rematch, he was a plus 205 fucking underdog. That's because everyone thought that he was dead. But not Paul Shaughnessy. Paul Shaughnessy was like, it'll go down exactly the same I way. I figured Frankie that it was a mental him. thing against Lewis, and it sure, sure was. And you said it back a change then. of strategy. Yes. He yes. knows that he's not going to be able to, or at least it seems that way. Mm-hmm. If he comes out and tries mm-hmm. to like technically box with Stipe, he loses this fight. He gets taken down. I, people have been talking a lot about the size of the cage. I don't know. It's either it helps Stipe close corners to get the takedown, get Frankie up against the cage more, or, or it <laughs> doesn't give Stipe a way to, or a path, or a, it's much easier or much more difficult for him to escape because we've seen. Uh, Stipe a bunch of times, like kind of run around the outside. You remember of against yeah. against uh, Fabricio Verdum, kind of like circling around the cage, circling around the cage, land the shot. Smaller cage, that could get diff- uh, a little bit more difficult. And if your back's up against the cage with a guy who's just throwing hammers, things could get dangerous. The only thing I actually have on it, I know that you're going to take Stipe Miocic. I haven't actually bet the straight up. Uh, money line on Francis Ngannou, though I think that Francis Ngannou could win a knockout in rounds two or three. For sure, yeah. I saw yeah. the plus <laughs> two hundred sure. Frankie murder round one. I said, "Giddy the fuck up." I need to have some money on it, but I can com- I, I I can completely understand. I mean, we've already seen the fight. We see where things can go wrong for Francis Ngannou. I think that there's been a little bit of a switch of I'm never going to be the most technical guy in there. Um, my strategy is literally to go out there and try to kill you. If he doesn't kill him 
early on, I, I worry about all of the same things that I did before. His durability really hung up, uh, held up against France or against Stipe last time that they fought. So that is something I think is underrated is Francis Ngannou's uh, durability, his toughness. I mean, the guy's personal story and how he got here yeah, is like strong. is is movie worthy, of course. Francis Ngannou plus two hundred round one. That's all I've got action on on this fight. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess and we can. You're move. gonna you're gonna probably bet Stipe. Yeah. Okay. What it comes down to is it's the same thing as the last time. Francis. If Francis could knock him out, and if he doesn't knock him out, I think he's gonna get tired, and Stipe is gonna take over. So I gotta I gotta back Stipe the same way I did last time. I got underdog money. He's Croatian. Last time. You're Croatian. I get it. That's the other thing, right? So Stipe is just like me in the sense that I ain't no fighter, but uh, he's like a third generation Croatian where he doesn't speak Croatian, speaks English, but he identifies as Croatian. And me and Sean McCormick, shout out to old buddy Sean, uh, we actually filmed a piece with Stipe at the Croatian club in Toronto one time. Went down there, he came, super intimate atmosphere, there's like 30 people there. And uh, they'd like try to talk Croatian to him, and same thing because I've had it at the races. Uh, it's just like oh, I don't don't speak, but he had the, like the coat of arms tattooed on his foot, and just such a good guy. We had a beer with him, Croatian beer. Shout out, just a really he good is guy. The nicest guy. Yeah, really These good. These are probably guy. two of the nicest guys in the UFC. Bar none. And then he came to the. He, it was that fight network, right? Anyways, regardless, it's just like Stipe is a super good dude. Absolutely, he's my guy. I'm back up right now. I've I've been a coward. Oh, I almost say coward. I've been a treacherous, a treacherous person to my own country. Big time traitor to Canadians that fight in the UFC. Almost universally fade them all the time. Uh, but yeah, with Stipe, I, I'm not fading him. He's my guy. And we can talk about the fact that people have always brought it up. Stefan Struve knocked him out, man. You can bring up I mean, the fact heavy, that like, it's a heavyweight DC, division, man. Anybody DC can get knocked yeah. out by anybody. And he very much. and he very well may get yeah. knocked out here. But the last thing I'll bring up is that um, because you said it right after the Lewis fight, you're like, listen. He doesn't have the cardio to stand in there in exchange for 15 minutes. He just needs to go back to what he was doing before. Murder ball. Super aggressive. Go after these guys. And it's worked tremendously I well. see him training with Kamaru Usman on, like, wrestling defense. It's just like, hopefully he's not like, this is my strategy to stay. No, 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 no. We, we're not playing that game. We're going. We're trying to get that belt. We're trying to kill him. That's that's the one gift that he has over yeah. anybody in the UFC, maybe in UFC history, is just generational power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I would right, love man. to see it. But Listen, I, I, under, be- I, I respect the champion enough to say that this is not like maybe back in the day when we used to do this show, I would have said some crazy, crazy shit right now. I see, obviously, we've already seen the fight. I see the path for Steve Me at When was the last win. time that the active champion was the underdog to the number one contender? Probably with Stipe. Stipe is always pretty under underrated in the betting markets. Yeah, probably with Stipe. I can tell you the next time it was Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling rematch, but uh, it just doesn't happen all that often. In that case, it's because of a disqualification. In this case, Stipe's got all those skills. And I, fighting DC twice at the highest level, going into those third and fourth rounds, having to switch strategy and work the body... You see how good Stipe looks in rematches, eh? He lost to Junior DeSantos' fight, the first fight. The second fight, kicked his fucking ace. And he lost to Daniel Cormier the first time. Second and third time, kicked his fucking ace. He fought Francis Ngannou. He, you know, it was a good fight the first time. The second so time. So now we've, gonna broken, still be a good broke, fight, I we've think. broken the molds. Don't tell me that. We've I'm broken the Stipe molds. He had a good, and he's going to be like, I can just go in and do the same shit over the, or this time that I did the last. I'll leave you with Boom, this. If we, can, if we can get into the main event. Co-main event. 
Coleman, no, no, the main event's deep in oh. Miocic. But if we can get there, nine out of ten, like last week, but make it to the main event, it'd be the world's easiest hedge <laughs> yeah, because this is one hell of a sweat, my man. But yeah. I'm going to stick with my guys deep. Fair enough. All right, we got Vicente Luque taking on Tyron Woodley. Vicente Luque, a minus 250 favorite. Uh, Woodley can be had four plus 210. I mean, we've made some good money fading Tyron Woodley. For the last few fights. He's been fighting the elite of the elite. Obviously, lost his belt to Kamara Usman. Uh, takes on uh, Burns and Co- Covington after that. And each fight is the same. Back him up against the cage. He kind of just stands there. Doesn't really throw any sort of volume. Gets pieced up. Those guys were able to kind of mix in the wrestling a little bit more. Um, than I would expect Vicente Luque to. But Luque throws a lot more volume. Um I, I like Luke. The minus 250 price tag is a little bit more than I'm willing to go here. I know that Woodley got finished against Colby Covington last time out, but that was in round five. It was a rib injury, or maybe he was just a little bit like, I have no chance of getting back in this fight, and I'm on my back I'll, I'll say again. rib injury. I'm a hater, but I'll say it was a rib Yeah, injury. yeah. Uh, I ended up taking uh, Luke by decision plus 150, and fight goes to decision minus 150. Uh, just in the case, just because Tyron Woodley historically has been super, super, super durable. He's been in there, obviously, usually pretty low volume fights, but the guy can take a punch. He's obviously a former champion, a, a total pro. The guy knows how to stick in there, especially for only three rounds. Most of these other fights are five round fights. So that is where my head's at here. I just think Luke is going to do the exact same thing that his, bu- his buddies. Gilbert and uh, Usman and Usman have done like the they already have the right. fight set up that they like Those they, guys they can know grapple. they know what to do they can grapple better than Luke so that that could make it a little bit interesting but I just think that Luke backs him up against the cage lands a bunch of volume Tyron doesn't throw very much and Luke wins by decision so. That is where my head's at here. What about you? Yeah, I mean, time and time again, every time a Tyron Woodley fight comes up, I mean, I just bring up, it's not just the last couple fights. We bring this up all the time. It's the entire body of work. I mean, he is, in my opinion, I've gone on record saying this many times, probably one of, if not the least impressive champion in UFC history. He got the title fight with Robbie Lawler on the basis of beating a split decision win over Kelvin Gastelum, who came in at 180 and spent the night in hospital. Then he, the, the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight, that's his first defense, right? He loses three of the five rounds, but the 10 draw gets him a draw. And that fight was just super exciting. That was a fun fight. He doesn't throw anything. He's low volume, right? The Robbie Lawler fight didn't matter. He just knocked him on the first round. That fight against Thompson, at least he threw a little bit and he got the knockdown. It's everything since then. The second Thompson fight was a robbery. It was, the, it was a terrible fight, an absolute atrocious fight. But he lost. I thought he lost. They give they gift him a decision. The Damian Maya fight... He fights a 40-year-old Damian Maya. He stuffs like 22 takedown attempts, but proceeds to do nothing, right? Wins a decision over Damian Maya. Very unimpressive stuff for a high-caliber champion. The Darren Till fight, that looks good, right? Because he dropped Darren Till and then submitted him. Darren Till landed zero significant strikes over the course of nine minutes and 19 seconds, sorry. That's how long the fight lasted. Nine minutes, 19 seconds, he landed zero significant strikes. You might say, whoa, geez, Tyron Woodley fought a really good defensive fight. No, just Till didn't let his hands go. It was a bad cut to 170. Dude's a natural 85er. You see him fight there now. Bad weight cut. Didn't let his hands go. All of that was super unimpressive. When we got dog money against Kamaru Usman, the first legit guy he fought, why is he fighting Till in a title fight? Why is he fighting Damian Mayer in a title fight? Both fights against Stephen Thompson, he should have lost. He got a 10-8 saved him the first time. And the second time, the, the judges, I don't know what they're looking at, 
But it's like, all of this is unimpressive work. Uzman underdog, it's a gift. And then they gave you Burns as an underdog, and it was a gift. And then they learned by the Covington fight. Yeah, so it Covington wasn't, was like three to one fave. Which is still a gift, because there's no shot he beats him, right? And he doesn't. He loses every single round. And see, there's another theme for you, because it's not just he's fighting the best guys out there, which he obviously is. He lost every minute of every round in the Covington fight. He lost every minute of every round in the Gilbert Burns fight. He lost every minute of every round in the Kamaru Usman fight. He's been completely non-existent. He's dust. Right, he's dust. And then every fight, too, after the Usman fight, everyone was like, why does he just keep backing up and not letting his hands go? It's like, dog, that's been the last five fights. That's his entire career is what he does. But he's got great power, so he gets away with it, right? And he's got great wrestling, so you can't fucking take him down, and he can mix in a takedown or two. He doesn't wrestle anymore, though, because his cardio is so bad. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't want to overexert himself. So he's not actively trying to wrestle these guys. In fact, of course, Covington takes him down three times. Usman takes him down twice. But Gilbert Burns took him down twice as well. Like, maybe his wrestling's not as good anymore. He's two weeks shy of his 39th birthday. At this point, it's not getting any better. But volume has always been his biggest thing. So with Luke, if, if anything, he has great volume. But he also has really clean, precise, technical striking. The one thing is, though, well, I guess there's two things. One, if Woodley was to use his wrestling, one would figure he probably could take Vincente Luque down. But if Luque pops back up and scrambles and makes him work, it will have been a bad game plan to wrestle, right? Yeah. The other thing, though, is Luque is extremely hittable, right? Gets hit in all these fights. You've seen guys like Brian Barberina stretched him. Mike Perry stretched him. Uh, Tyrone Woodley, three-fight losing streak, 39 years old, conceivably last fight in the UFC here, right? If he decides to pull a Frankie murder, just like your boy, and just abort the game plan and let his hands go and hits this motherfucker, could knock him out. Mm -hmm. So even though I do have Vincente Luque based on I am not ever going to bet Tyron Woodley, I think volume beats it, striking beats him, pace beats him. I am worrying that because he is hittable, Tyron Woodley comes out with a just I don't give a fuck attitude and finally lets it all hang. Could be a could be a big problem because Covington mixed in the wrestling to neutralize him. Yep. Burns mixed in the wrestling to neutralize him. Usman mixed in the wrestling to neutralize him. Till stood in front of him and is hittable, and he made him fucking pay. Luke well, could be Till the same couldn't thing. stop the takedown and then was just completely outmuscled on the ground. Now, now, last thing I'll sprinkle on here, although the pick has been sent to Luke, but last little thing I will sprinkle on there is if you're Tyron Woodley and you are having that mental lapse similar to a Francis Ngannou where you're just like, I don't want to get tired. I'm worried about getting tired, so I'm going to really just reserve myself. This is the first time in six and a half years he's been booked for a three-round fight. Mm-hmm. Every other fight's either been a title fight or a headlining fight. So, again, that leads to the narrative of he's only got 15 minutes to go. If he even just goes out there and lets his hands go for two rounds and his durability, like you're talking about, plays out, you're saying Brian Barberina and Mike Perry can win rounds over this guy, but but Tyrone Woodley can't, right? Yeah. Right? But, but... Those guys throw strikes. Brian Barberina throws a ton of strikes. Mike Perry comes at you and throws strikes, whereas Woodley doesn't. So, like, that's, to me, the difference. So, I'm going to take Vincente Luque, but I don't, he's not a top-ticket guy. And I top-ticketed Covington. I top-ticketed Burns. I top-ticketed Usman. But he's, like, a sec- second line. Second, maybe, he's second line. He won't make third line. He'll be a second line guy. All right. We got uh, Sh- Sugar Sean O'Malley taking on Thomas Almeida. O'Malley can be at for minus 320. Almeida plus 270 over under in this is over one and a half rounds is minus 145 under uh, plus 115 Uh, watching tape on both of these guys. Obviously, Sugar Sean O'Malley. I mean, guys got chicken legs. Yeah. And uh, in his last fight out there against Vera, you're kind of looking. There is a leg kick. 
And then you don't know whether that leg kick hurt him or whether like he just tweaked it, kind of stepping weird. But once that once that back leg went out, he's a switch stance guy. Yeah. But like once that, I think I believe it was his left foot went out. He was dead on arrival. Could be his right. I don't know. I don't want people in the comment section to be. It was his right foot. I can't remember off the top of my head. Either way, his foot. Like once that went done, he was dead in the water. You could see what was going to happen. He ends up, you know, getting put onto the ground and more or less his like, head dribbled with elbows. takes two shots. Yeah, <laughs> takes got, a couple shots and he ground. is and he is cooked. But leg injury. But we've seen that with the uh, the Sukumantath fight mm-hmm. back in the day. And Sukumantath, mm-hmm. all he had to do is stand up. So watching Thomas Almeida tape, what I what I was looking for, I'm like, where are these leg kicks? I want to see the leg kicks. And his last time out against Jonathan Martinez, John Mar- Martinez is a southpaw. Uh, so maybe like half of the look, because you'll see O'Malley, he switches it back and forth constantly. Uh, he was able to like land this like outside leg kick, but like it didn't look like he was like really committing to it. There wasn't too much power on the leg kicks that he was throwing out there. It's not like he was just clubbing guys with it. That's what I really wanted to see. I want you to attack chicken legs here. If I'm gonna take a plus two forty shot or two seventy shot on you in this spot, and I just didn't see it. So minus three twenty with a guy who has these leg injuries, that just seems way too risky to me. Almeida, history of getting knocked out. I took O'Malley by KO plus one fifty. Yeah, yeah. O'Malley KO, that's chasing for sure, but like three twenty is just too bad of a price tag. So you have to try to improve it somehow. And yeah, I mean it just it, the, the lines off, so to speak. This is a man who's fought four times in the last three years, right? Two of those four fights have resulted with him in a leg injury. That's half. That's fifty percent over a three-year time span. So no matter what, if you're betting him as a three twenty, there's like that baked in in the back of your mind that he could easily be winning rounds. He could be easily be looking good, and at some point his leg could give out. And like you're saying, is it the was it him getting kicked in the calf that causes his leg to seize up? We've seen it happen with Michael Chandler and uh, in Bellator. I remember thinking in the Brett Primus fight, like this guy's not going to come back from this stuff. Like every opponent's just going to look. He's got clearly got a you know a compromised leg. But like no, you go back to the gym, you work on it. Your leg eventually the nerves die, and you just get used to it. And you learn how to check, and you learn how to defend. You move on. I would like to think that Sean O'Malley has done all those things. He must realize he's got chicken legs, right? Everybody's talking about it. But it's like, how do you defend from this? So you go to the gym. You don't just okay, this is my problem. You you work on it. And I would hope that O'Malley did. He's got some wacko sense, false sense of confidence. But at the end of the day, you need self confidence. So if he believes he's undefeated. Perfect. I believe he's undefeated too. Go out there and fight like an undefeated fighter and go out there and have an impressive performance. He's got all the tools to win this fight for sure. It's just there's too much hype built into it because he is a character, because he has this larger-than-life persona kind of in the fight game. But he's got wins over Eddie Wineland and Jose Alberto Quinones. And then he in the Sukumantas fight, I mean... If Suk just stood up, man, like, I don't know what the hell was going on there. And in this case against Marlon Vera, he hurt his leg and he fought him pretty decently for like a minute and a half, two minutes after that, considering his leg was hurt. But once he got on the ground, he was donezo. Uh, Coming into this one, I think that he's just got massive advantages over over Thomas Almeida, who Thomas Almeida is like an old generation type of guy, right? He's shoot-to-box style, trained fighter. He comes forward. He likes to be aggressive. Those guys love throwing leg kicks. Those guys love to be aggressive. You don't see it much with him, though. Yeah, and he doesn't cut angles particularly well. Like, his footwork's pretty primitive. He'll just usually come forward on a straight line. His reach is not particularly good, nor does he really extend himself over it all that often. He just kind of looks to bob side to side and then land hooks on you. But his head movement's not very good. When he fought Cody Garbrandt, obviously, 
see that's the fight where everyone starts to notice the decline on him is that Cody Garbrandt is a, is a new generation fighter. He does have good footwork. He does have cl- cl- uh, crisp boxing. And you saw him just go out there and just eat him up, beat him into the punch, make him look foolish and beat him up. That was kind of like the beginning of the end for him. He starts getting knocked out. He starts taking too much damage. Then he takes like a three-year-long layoff prior to coming into the Jonathan Martinez fight. So on one hand, listen, he's only, what, 29 years old? On one hand, getting that ring rust off in the Martinez fight, going three rounds, getting back to it, would, would be good for him, right? I mean, it takes off the whole narrative of the long layoff, and at least he went three rounds and got some 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 ring time, some cage time under his belt. That's all good stuff. On the other hand, it's like Martinez fights like a new-age fighter, right? He likes to move around from the outside. He's got good footwork. He's speedy, and he just quite simply beat him to the punch. He was just the better striker. O'Malley figures this is going to be a striking battle, and listen, I think O'Malley could actually take Thomas Almeida down, but regardless, he's not going to, and Thomas Almeida doesn't have the wrestling to actively take Sean O'Malley down, so we got a striking battle. And when you see O'Malley at his best working from the outside, he's fucking fast, really crisp, man. super fast. And he's got really sharp hands, right? It's what I would classify as a new age style. And straight, straight. Like I know that the reach is like 72 and a half for O'Malley and 72. So there really is no advantage, but O'Malley uses every little bit of that reach on his on his striking, whereas it's more, yeah, hooks, as you were saying, with uh, Of course. With Almeida. And so the way this game works is it's like the path, the quickest path to the trajectory, right? So one's coming straight at you, and Almeida fucking hooks right around it. So he's going to get hit. He's going to get chin checked, and I don't think his chin's all that good. We've seen the guy get wobbled. We've seen the guy get hurt. We've seen the guy get knocked out before. It hasn't happened in a long time. He's still young. But, like, O'Malley does hit considerably well. So the thing with Cheeto Vera is, like, good luck knocking this guy out. Mm-hmm. He's got an absolute cast-iron chin on him. He can wear some of that damage. And let's be honest here. O'Malley did look good in the first couple minutes. Until the, until until he stumbled over his leg, he looked fine. Yeah. Now, mind you, Cheeto Vera always drops People remember round, how that but, fight ended. But, like, yeah, it looked completely fine. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, something happened to his leg. He's, yeah. he's toast. And, and Eddie Wineland kind of fights on straight line, hands low, head doesn't move a ton, comes at you aggressive. And it's like... Like he was tailor-made to get intercepted by O'Malley, and he did. And so with Almeida coming in, it's the same thing. And if Sean was like, oh, man, my leg, um, you know, as long as my leg doesn't get hurt in this fight, I'm not going to lose, blah, 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 then it's like, oh, man, he's thinking about the leg. But again, you need to check the interviews with him. It's like fluke thing, no problem. We'll run I'm it back undefeated. down the line. Yeah, again, and as a young, brash prospect, you kind of do need that mentality. So... I got Sean O'Malley comes back to the three to one price tag, which I obviously don't like. That makes him a top ticket guy, right? But it's like, do I want top, do I want a top ticket guy who might just hurt his leg? Like I've seen him do it, yeah, time and time again. Three twenty no, really. is scary. I don't like it. Yeah, so so I like what you said, right? It was the Sean O'Malley by knockout plus one fifty? If I was going to chase an angle on this one, it would be that. But again, there is that little bit of untrustworthiness now. All right, we got Miranda R- Maverick taking on Jillian Robertson, a fight that was supposed to take place a ways back. I mean, it's all blurred during COVID times. Now, yeah, a month ago, we had already broken this one down. Not too long ago you were big up in Miranda Rap Maverick back in that uh, back then yeah has anything changed no nothing's changed you'll have to wait until you see the weigh-ins of course just because Jillian Robertson is gonna I don't want to say size advantage but what the, the only thing that really screws us here is if Robertson goes out there and completes these takedowns we know that she's got really good top control we know that she's got good grappling but her wrestling is just okay she's actively trying to use it but it's just okay 
But just okay wrestling could be good enough to take down Miranda Maverick, who is super young, but you've seen time and time again in a lot of her regional scene fights, like takedown defense is just not quite there. Now you give a young fighter like this, you know, time to train full time, and you're actually getting paid now that you're fighting in the UFC and you're getting a decent sized camp. And then an extra month on top of that the to extra month helps. for the exact same opponent. And why did it get canceled? Because Robertson tested positive for COVID, right? So because she lives in Florida. Yeah, and yeah, if you, <laughs> right, hundred percent. Uh, everyone likes to say she's Canadian and she is Canadian. I think she's born in like Niagara Falls or something, but I mean, she's lived like her entire life in Florida. She is a Floridian, if anything. And, uh, I can't back her on solely on the basis of the old Canada thing. What I am worried about again, though, is the takedowns. If she does manage to get her takedowns going here, she might be able to hold down Maverick for a decent ish period of time, score some points in the judge's favor. And then when it gets back standing, you know, maybe Maverick's just got too much ground to cover. But the thing with Maverick is that she's super aggressive standing. She loves to let her hands go. Good combinations. Good pressure, good cardio. And what we've seen with Julian Robertson is if she doesn't get the fight to the ground, she does not deal good with pressure and, and people that are just going to be aggressive come forward and let their hands go. The Macy Barber fight, she just absolutely gets backed up and then blasts it. Has no answer for it. Barber just kind of bullies her around. But the Taylor Santos fight is the same thing where it's like Taylor Santos is just gun, outgunning her and easily standing. So she starts going for these desperation takedowns and nothing's able to stick. Now, Taylor Santos's hips are very, very, very strong, especially for the first 10 minutes of the fight. So, like, it's fair that she wasn't able to get her down. You know, it's fair that maybe she wasn't able to get her wrestling going in the Macy Barber fight. But against Miranda Maverick, you know, a smaller fighter than her, presumably, we'll see based on weigh-ins. It's like if she does get that wrestling going, she could be dangerous. But I think Miranda is going to turn the page on her. Now, again, Maverick is coming off a win over Lillian Joshua, which is not exactly impressive when you consider Joshua. It's a cut stoppage, and she got hit a lot in that fight. But why I'm not super worried about that is that she, she didn't even care about getting hit. No. Joshua was lining her up with just her best shots. I mean, Robertson doesn't have, like, one-hitter quitter power. We haven't seen that. No, for sure. But what I, when you're 23 years old, right, and your nickname is fear fear the maverick and you've just got this persona of just being strong and aggressive and you see her fights she just wants it more than you she fought in a one night fight tournament in invicta fought three different opponents in the same night like who as a 21 year old at the time 22 year old fighter who signs up for that shit no 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 this girl is strong she's aggressive she wants it she's super motivated the extra month if anything hopefully just she comes well-prepared in the spot, and she needs to stuff those takedowns. But if she does stay the t stuff the takedowns, I think she's just going to overwhelm uh, Jillian Robertson's standing, as we've seen time and time again. As far as, like, an over-under, I'm not, like, super confident either way. I would say Miranda Maverick wins this fight by decision. But, but again, Robertson does kind of tend to freeze Robertson's up a little bit. She can't get the fight to the ground. have found a way to get finished many times. Yeah. Whether it's her finding, like, a submission or right. her getting submitted. Which could be the other angle to this, right? If Jillian yeah. wins, does she just does she just get takedowns or is she just does she stick her with something when she does get to fight to the ground? Uh, one thing you have noticed with Robertson, when she first broke into the UFC and she's fighting, like, lower level, the submission stick. Once you start moving up, like same thing with the Taylor Santos fight, like her best submissions just weren't even close. You're starting to take on a more competitive level of competition. But Maverick, this is your buyer's beware here. 23 years old, two fights into the UFC now, and it's coming up with a Joshua. So she could just be a hype job. But so far, I'm I'm buying that little bit of that hype. So uh, Maverick minus 160. That'll be uh, that'll be the move for me here. All right, we got Kama Worthy taking on Jamie Malarkey. Common worthy minus 120 favorite malarkey can be had for plus 100. I mean, I saw a picture, it was from at least last week, of malarkey and Alexander Volkanovsky training together, or not necessarily training together. Maybe they weren't actually sparring together, but they're in the same gym at the same time taking pictures with all their buddies. I think 
Volk claims that he didn't have it when he left Australia, but then he got it somewhere in Vegas, I guess. Well, obviously, he's off the card, so malarkey. I, I think this fight's going to happen. This one has it. saying. But there's a risky business that it may not actually happen. Do you have a strong lean on this fight? No, I don't, actually. Again, you can make a pretty strong case either way. With with Kama Worthy, I don't want to say he's got the death touch, but this guy's got a tremendous amount of power. So he's going to be a live dog in any of his spots because if he touches you, he could absolutely topple you over. His problem is, is that he has all, next to no durability. Like He's lost seven times as a professional, all seven times inside the distance. Got submitted once, that was his pro debut, and then proceeded to get knocked out six times. Those six knockouts, obviously the last one against Otman Azatar, which was a minute and a half, but Kyle Nelson, who's also in the UFC, Canadian, shout out, minute and three seconds. Anthony Redich, minute and six seconds. Matt Bissett, UFC veteran, knocked him out, 242, second round. Billy Crantillo knocked him out 10 seconds into the second round. And Paul Felder, that one's really, really no shame, knocks him out in a minute and 10. What I'm saying is, like, he's not just, like, getting knocked out late in the fight when he got tired. His cardio's not terrible, it's like you you hit him with the good shot and he just absolutely topples over. And so he's kind of one of those guys that's got to go out on his shield. And is he capable of doing it? Yeah, absolutely. If he lands on you, he can knock you out. He does that in his debut against Devontae Smith, which Devontae Smith just didn't pull the trigger on him. Mm-hmm. And then the Luis Pena fight, he submits him. Luis Pena does like, it doesn't really pull the trigger. And then you've seen the Ottman-Azitar fight where it's like Ottman just beats him to the punch and has the type of power that he hits you and knocks you out. My problem here is with Jamie Malarkey is that he I don't think he's got the knockout game to be the guy that just goes out there and lands that shot. Is it possible? Yeah, when you've been knocked out six times, a lot of them pretty quick, um, there's def- always the possibility that you could get hit with a clean punch and get knocked out. But, but Jamie Malarkey's not really per se a power guy. What Malarkey likes to do in all of his fights is mix in that wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. You see him do it against Brad Riddell, which he scores two takedowns in Riddell, but he's just not able to hold him down. And uh, he loses two 30-26s on the scorecard. So even though it was like a competitive fight, it really wasn't. He was outclassed in that fight. Then you get that Faraz Zayam fight. This guy takes a fun short notice. He's super young. He's unbelievably one-dimensional. Di- one, one I thought Malarkey won. I thought the wrestling should have carried him. I thought he got robbed in that spot. But again, it was just like he he was getting beat striking. He The wrestling wasn't quite enough out of him. So my worry here, taking on Kama Worthy, is that he's got to mix in the wrestling. But with Worthy, I mean, BJJ Brown Belt, you saw him submit Luis Pena. Even in the second round of the Luis Pena, he got, got his back taken, but was able to defend everything largely. Like his grappling's okay. His takedown defense, it's okay. His cardio, it's okay. And he's got a ton of power, right? So Malarkey, he got hit a lot in the Brad Riddell fight. And the Farah Zion fight, he got hit a lot in that fight. And this fight figures to be the same thing. If he goes out there and he gets hit by Kama Worthy, he's in a world of trouble. You got to get to the wrestling. Wrestle, 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 wrestle. Uh, this is a dogger pass to me. Unfortunately, there is that you got Worthy minus 120 versus the comeback plus 100 on Jamie Malarkey. So it's not really like you're not getting a dog play out of it. I just really think that this is kind of a 50-50 fight. And because it's only minus 120 comma worthy, I guess suppose at this point in time, I'm leaning towards it. Don't know if the fight's going to happen. Want to see weigh-ins. Want to see how things shake out during the week. It seems like money has been coming in on Malarkey. I think, 36, I think Worthy was man. like minus 150, like plus 130 to the other side. And it's been coming in a little bit. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's a close fight. I'll pick Worthy Could here. Could be either way, man. Yeah. We got Abubakar, cousin Abubakar, taking on uh, Jared Gooden, minus 240, Nermi, plus 205, Gooden. I'm not going to lie, man. Kind of considering a play on Jared Gooden here. He did not look great against Al, uh, Alan Joban, but former 185-pounder, big guy, strong guy. 
Um, takedown defense, uh, that that definitely hurts. But I don't know if – I guess Cousin Abubakar can uh, can definitely get him to the ground, hold him down for two, Better two rounds. That is, that is very possible. But, like, Abubakar, what, getting submitted – against uh what's his face last time out uh, oh yeah 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 what's his name uh sorry yeah german uh david zawada da- uh no it wasn't zawada yeah david zawada zawada no. Z- zawada. zawada smoke on zawada and fire yeah. in the sky getting that submission you're kind of like wubakar does not have the grappling that uh, a lot of the other guys in the nirmaga made of stable do um, I even considered this. There was a 12 to 1 prop out there. I just wanted even a little bit more. I thought maybe you'd be able to get a little bit more. Gooden's got some some submissions on his record. Gooden by, by submission is like plus 1,200. Haven't taken a shot on that. But I think, you know, against against Joban, he threw 100, 100 significant strikes. If he can keep this on the feet yeah, for, for sure. any extended period of time, I think he's got the better strike. And I think he's got like a three and a half or four inch reach advantage over over uh, over the bad Nurmagomedov in this spot. Like, I am not interested in betting Obubakar minus 240. Slightly considering the line keeps growing, growing, growing because people recognize Nur- Nurmagomedov name. Keeps growing, 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 getting a bigger dog play out of good. And maybe I'll wait until weigh-ins before I make any sort of actions here. But it's a dog or pass situation for me. What about you? Okay, so I, I feel similar in the sense that I think I'm going to end up taking Nirmaga Madoff. But the price is way off at 240. So it could be definitely a dog or pass situation for Jared Gooden. He's a live underdog in the spot. You can't bet Abubakar at minus 240 simply on the basis of the last name, Nirmaga Madoff. Yeah, he's got good wrestling, not great wrestling. Yeah, he's got good grappling, not great grappling. Yeah, he, you know, you want, he can fight that style that we love and dear very much. Is that he he's has, not? He's just not powerful like Habib is in those in those spots. He doesn't like control you with the same ferocity. I guess it's just a tale of like two guys just being different, you know. Because when you look at his striking style, it's almost similar. Like one thing about Khabib and Khabib striking is fucking come a long way it's very good now drop mcgregor obviously more, more notoriously but like you, he was beating justin gaethje and all the striking exchanges because of the threat of the takedown but regardless mm. it's like his striking has most definitely come a long way but one thing about him is like he's like stiff upper body right he just kind of stands like that well abubakar does the exact same thing he's like stiff upper body he stands upright and he's there to get hit the difference there is that like he doesn't have the durability of khabib khabib's been chin checked a few times but it's like by the world's greatest power punchers you know michael johnson hit this guy like you know he fought dustin poirier like i, I don't know i'm just saying He's fought in all the greatest power punches the division's ever had. If you were to get hit by one of those guys, it's understandable. But yeah, Chin has never been an issue for Habib Nurmagomedov. Whereas like when you look at this part with Abubakar, he is a little bit more chinny. His first pro loss is Magomed Mustafaev. Makes it to the UFC. No shame in that. Really strong guy. But he like clips him with a spinning back fist and he just like Mm -hmm. folds over. And I remember the fight doesn't get stopped immediately, but like he's out. Like he's on top, but he's out. And then they stop it. Apparently it was a cut stoppage, but... He was he was he was legitimately out. So that's his first loss, and it's a knockout loss. He signs with World Series of Fighting, and listen, he's managed by Ali Abdelaziz, who's like the matchmaker for the promotion at the time. Remember, because he, he had to step down for legal issues. Uh, but he just gets like tailor made fights matched up for him, man. He gets Danny Davis Jr., Matthew Frinsu, John Howard, you know Matt Secor. That one could have been dangerous, but is a one dimensional grappler. Like, what's what are you going to do, right? So he has his way with all those guys. Doesn't look great, and it's lower level competition, and mostly by decision as well. But the Pavel Kush fight, right? So Pavel Kush is a Ukrainian grappler, loves the heel hook, loves to grapple, 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 grapple. He comes out there and just quite literally throws the same like uppercut combination over and over repetitively. 
and just busts Abubakar up and knocks him out. So now this is the second pro loss. Again, his striking was awful. His chin didn't really hold up. He took a lot of damage in that fight, and then eventually he gets submitted by the rear naked choke. But it was the damage that he took. With no notable wins since then, he beats Jonathan Weston, a fight he didn't look great in. The draw against Boyan, he lost the first round against Boyan. He won the second round against Boyan, and it was a two-round fight, right? So it ended up being ruled a draw, is what it is. But then there's a lot of fight. You know, he gets to his wrestling. Gets to take down pretty easily. Yeah. But you could, yeah, you can see that, like, positionally, he's just not... He's not Kaz- or brother Habib. But you know something troubling, actually, when the fight starts in that fight with, with Zawada is that he starts the fight standing, right? And every fight starts standing, but he lets his hands go. And he does in a lot of these other fights, too, is that he lets his hands go too often and then searches for the takedown. Mm-hmm. So in this fight against Zawada, he actually does hit him a couple decent times, right? Swells him up a bit and then lands the takedown, gets submitted. But what I'm worried about here in this Jared Gooden fight is if he goes out there and lets his hands go for a little bit, he's going to get hit because, I mean, he is a hittable guy and he doesn't wear those shots particularly he's well. He's up, yeah, like three and a half inches of reach on top of that yeah and like gooden's a junkyard dog man dude been finished once in his career which was an unfortunate situation a guy that was much larger than him but outside of that yeah. durability has not been an issue in the Joban fight he he's took some massive at 170 blows. man chest like good douche on him if he hits you it's going to be a serious problem and he showed that he had some heart he was like what was he short notice on the on the Joban fight he looked tired he looked know. he looked a little bit puzzled i'm sure you didn't have a full camp going into it it's right, probably yeah. like maybe they gave him a month's notice. I think I I was looking for that as well. I don't remember seeing any like canceled bouts on it. No, but I remember speculating. Oh, wait, he did actually. He had a canceled bout. He had a canceled bout. He can't. He he stepped out. He was supposed to take on somebody else, I believe. I just remember also at the time is that Joban had fought in a few years, but Joban is like a beloved broadcaster for them. He hosts some shows for them. He's the male model on Joban. I feel it felt like it was a tailor-made matchup for Joban to take this guy that they weren't going to give a full camp to, and it was going to be a striking affair, and, you know, all the cards were stacked against him. Joban's like an 11-time UFC veteran. Jared Gooden's making his UFC debut, right? It wasn't a very easy fight. And in the first two rounds, again, he starts to look a little bit tired. He starts to look a little bit puzzled. The movement of Joban's got him stifled. He takes some pretty nasty blows as well and just can't quite figure him out. But in the third round, man, he never lets up. The third round's arguably his best round. He keeps coming forward keeps letting his hands go so abubakar doesn't really have some crazy submission game he's definitely not a knockout artist so a lot of his fights he's grinding you over the course of 15 if jared gooden's able to continuously get back up let those hands go then he's live for that Mm -hmm. knockout but uh now i I learned my lesson supposed to take on dwight grant back in august and then pulled out due to injury and then took on joban in november yeah well regardless he didn't look horrible against oh, Joban. Now, but that was a striking match, and this Jor- is not jo- going to hopefully be a striking no, match. No, Abubakar just Abubakar's wrestle, wrestle, got to wrestle, take wrestle, him wrestle, down wrestle. and take wrestle. him down early and often. That's but but two forty is not the kind of price tag that I want to really. Especially when the guy's coming off of a submission back. loss to David Zawada, it's just like when you got that Nurmaga made up name. It's just like, and you got those ears. You got the you got the family ears, the habeard. We don't we don't tap for David Zawada. I know, but here's the thing, right? So we, so when you want to get out of Russia, you want to come to North America, you're gonna need some money, right? Where, where the fuck are you gonna get this money to come over? But I want to fight in the Zawada UFC. Zawada by sub round one gets you all the monies. Same thing happened to Magomed Ankalaev, right? Now yep. the easiest way to not take any damage in a loss is to give up a triangle choke. Why? Because don't hurt, and it's one of those setup moves where you can just be like. Russians have lost a lot of fights due to triangle chokes, but he got it out of the way. Similar to Ankalaev, once you get it out of the way, you pay your due. 
which is why the lines are, I don't know, I'm just saying. I, mean, I, I, I could see him getting that one out of the way. Now it's the second fight of the UFC. I'm just joking, obviously, about the fight fixing. What I'm saying is it's out of the way. You got that, you got that debut triangle. It's done. Let's move on to the next one. But he's just got to wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. He's cornered by Habib, right? He, he carries the lineage. Khabib's father was also his corner man for his last fight, which he's not going to have him this time around. Um, but with anything, like, I learned my lesson because I, I just chased that three-to-one dog money Gaethje for whatever reason. But that style, if you're able to implore it and you have good cardio, why bet against it, right? Islam Makachev, people are talking the puncher's chance narrative. Same thing. Well, Drew Dober could knock this guy out. He has been knocked out before. It's like if you're going to guarantee me that this guy's got good cardio and good grappling chops and he'll stick to it, in. I'm not 100% sure he's going to stick to it. But if he does stick to it, I just can't. I don't, I don't want to bet feel the him. same way about Abubakar as I do about a lot of here. the other guys in the state. Yeah, and so and so far, I've got Stipe, who's technically an underdog, but let's call it even money. I'm going Luke a favorite, O'Malley favorite, Maverick favorite. Whatever you go in worthy malarkey, it's even money either way. Jared Gooden at, at that price, plus 205. And it keeps growing. That's that's probably Wait your dog. Until the way that's ends. probably Wait your until dog. the way ends on it. But but yeah, it I, keeps growing. We'll see how it we'll see how it shakes out as the week closes out. Because he was like plus one eighty, like a few days ago, and it yeah, just keeps going, going, going. So right, I mean, because uh, now now that the cuffs and are have been off of him, and he's free to be a free man outside of the grasp of the mob. <laughs> All be, of the Russian mob is just pounding Nurmagomedov be, minus two hundred. Eh? All right, we got uh, oh baby Mikey O taking on. Uh, Modestus Bukaskis minus 160 for Mikey O, plus 100 for Bukaskis. Uh, the guys on the, uh, all right, sorry. So he, obviously Bukaskis in this spot, he's got like a four-inch reach advantage over Mikey O. Mikey O, historically, the gas tank, yeah, big-time issue. He Problem. comes out like guns a-blazing, tries to finish you, and he has finished a bunch of guys. In those early rounds, but we've seen it time and time again. Guy's got about a seven and a half minute gas tank. Um, Bukaskis, on the other hand, I mean, what a strange, uh, you know, career he's had in the UFC. First fight at UFC Fight Island, he takes on Mikolaitis. Uh, yeah. yeah, takes on that guy. First round is relatively close, and then they get up against the cage. And I mean, those elbows. Those elbows were basically to the back of the head. They were they were as borderline as borderline gets. And it's right at the end of the round, and you know, Mikolidis is kind of crunched down there. He tries somebody opens up the cage door behind him, and I think he goes to like lean back and then falls over. So they call it off. Following that, he goes into his next fight. Gets absolutely starched. He's got that tall guy defense. The boys yeah. on the uh, MMA analysis would say tall, tall guy defense. Like he's standing up r- upright. I'm not too impressed with what I see from Modestus Bukakis. I do think uh, Ole- uh, Shechuk, I, I gave him, gave his last name a chance there. Um, I think he wins. I would be more inclined to bet him by knockout, though. Um, I don't have the price of that in front of me right now, but I'll look it up while you talk about the fight. 
Yeah, Lord Michael. I mean, you're always going to get an exciting time out of this. I think the move here is you probably go for that under two and a half rounds at minus 155 because Michael's hell on wheels. He's going to come out. He's going to try to smash you to the body. He's going to try to knock you out. If he doesn't manage to knock you out, man, like you said, he's got porous cardio. And once he starts to get gassed out, I mean, he himself is susceptible for the finish. We've seen he's lost his last two fights, both times by submission, but the submissions are given up once he, I don't want to say once a way out of there. The Von, the Von Flew choke against St. Prue, he was just completely gassed out. And the Jimmy Crute fight, he gave up like seven or eight takedowns in that fight. Like, I don't want to say he gassed out that fast in the first round, but again, he probably did. His cardio is just absolutely no good. But he's giving up submissions, right? Against at least against Modestus Bocaucus, he's not going to have to worry about the takedown game. He's not going to have to worry about, I probably not have to worry about the wrestling and the submissions. And if he doesn't in a striker versus striker, then interesting fight. So I would like to take Michael on the basis of what we've seen so far from him is that he's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of power. He's got good punch selection, good strike selection, and can go out there and, and knock you out. He comes out, he debuts against Khalil Roundtree, Won the U. Won the day his debut. He got in the beginning of no contest because he popped. But he's a plus three hundred underdog against Khalil Roundtree. Fight goes fifteen minutes. His cardio checked up in that one. He springs a big upset on the basis of he was a better striker than Khalil Roundtree. It was a good victory for him. The Jean Volante fight. Those shots to the body. Oh man. Minute and a half into the first round, Volante's got a little bit of durability to him, right? Just absolutely goes out there and murders him to the body. The Gazmara Antigula fight, free win. I mean, buddy, that buddy. was a hilarious rewatch. Because <laughs> Gaz- yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, that's that's the Antigula I wanted to show up against Max Grishin. Because he is literally just chasing him down. Just, I don't, I don't even know what the strategy is. Within 40 seconds, he is dead on arrival. Just just butchers him with those uppercuts, <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. But but again, to, to this point, he's 3-0. and He's got the no contest, but the striking looked good against Khalil Roundtree. Knocks out Jean Volante. Power looks nice and mm-hmm. on point. And to Gulov, power looks nice and on point. He gets a top 10 guy in, in OSP, a guy that fought for the UFC title, a guy that's fought in literally one of the most tenured guys in their in, in the 205-pound weight class. And in round one, he looks okay. He fucking kills him in round one. It's a 10-8 round. He beats the absolutely pillar to post, works him, and OSP looks tired. He looks done, but then it's like, oh, no. So does Lord Michael. He's absolutely tired. He's absolutely gassed out. In the second round, he topples over. He gives up a Vaughn flu choke. Like... Mm-hmm. Of all the things that could happen, what are you going to do? Anyways, the Jimmy Crute fight, he gives up the takedowns, he gets submitted. But Jimmy Crute, my boy, guy that's another top 10 and guy I mean, in the Jimmy division. Jimmy Crute absolutely just canceled, canceled Bukaki here. Canceled him, right. And, and so that one's more interesting to me because Jimmy's only like 23 years old. And Jimmy likes to strike a little bit. I mean, Sammy Greco, slamming Sammy Greco is, is his head kickboxing coach over in Australia. But uh, more of a grappler, you know, BJJ black belt. Guy likes to power you to the ground. Like Guys like to scramble. That That's how Jimmy Crute like, prefers to fight. And he just went out there and just butchered Bukakis, beat him to the punch, hit him, hurt him. And that goes back to what you were saying with the tall man stance is what's the problem with that stance? Yeah, you're rangy. Yeah, you got that length. But your hand typically stands high up. And once you get hit, you got to be able to have the chin to take those shots. And in this case... Doesn't seem like he does. Well, Jimmy Crute folds him up with the right hand, so I got no reason to believe that if Lord Michael goes out there and puts it on him hard for a round, he put, now now this goes back to Lord the other Michael two Lord Michael by knockout, plus 210. Is that the price? Lord yeah, Michael round one, plus 300. I was thinking about the one and a half, but it might take him a little longer to gas out than that. But that's why the under two and a half, minus 155, better than betting him straight up. Mm-hmm. it's like he either goes out there and puts it on him and knocks him out and we cash or, nice little... or he gasses out yeah. and doesn't put it on him and we cash. That's a nice so, little parlay piece, I think. So, so that's that's what I would think under would be the, the best rounds. angle for this fight because it could be a pretty close competitive fight. It could go either way. So it's like that under two and a half kind of looks like the, the, 
the better angle there. Yeah, people are chasing that number because that one's been on the move as well. So people are on to it, so get in there. All right, we got uh, Marc-Andre Barrio taking on Abu Azetar, minus 130 Barrio, plus 110 Azetar, who you got? Okay, well, uh, let's just talk greasy theories here because this is a close fight. You Theoretically, when you look at just styles, could go either way. I mean, both guys are super plotting. Both guys are not exactly technical, but both guys are tough. And you got Marc-Andre Barrio, who's a former dual champion for TKO, 185 pounds, 205 pounds. He comes to the UFC, and let's call it Space Baby, and he hasn't exactly had a, a great run. But you look at his debut against Andrew Sanchez, a guy that's you know a non-ranked fighter but a bad style for him. He loses, okay. Jotko, fuck, man, that's a tough fight. He loses a split, even though it should have been unanimous. That's a tough fight. Jung Young Park eh, doesn't on paper look like a tough fight, but it was a tough fight. It is a tough fight. You no, know, he's got good boxing. He's a tough guy. Again, he loses those. And then Osprey Pachota, last fight on his deal. He's about to be 0-4. He's about to be released. I'm like, dude, he looks he looks good. He looks a lot better. And then the problem is he tests positive for Austrian. So it's like, is is that why he looked better? Or was he finally getting mm, his probably. footing a little bit? And Oscar Pachota is not exactly a great fighter himself, BJJ Black Belt, but if the fight doesn't hit the ground, like what's his go-to plan B? And a guy that's just like tough and, and rugged, like a Barrio, is going to have a lot of success against him. Abu Azitar, he stands five foot eight, I believe. So for this weight class, he's not... He's not exactly the biggest guy, but he is super strong. He is a physical guy. You know, he does. He He's aggressive and he's able to come forward. I forgot this guy was in the UFC because it's been like two years. Yeah, he hasn't fought in two years. And so here's the interesting thing with Abu Azatar is that he's another Ali Abdelaziz managed fighter. And then him and his brother, Otman Azatar, both in the UFC. And they're both personal friends of the pr- Prince of Morocco. They both have lots of money and wealth and, and tools to their access. access. And, uh, and both guys can fight as well. They pack a lot of power, but they're they're well-protected. They're well-managed. He signed initially, you know, he's fought in KSW. He's fought in a couple good good European promotions. But again, just like his brother, they're, or not like his brother, but like a lot of Abdelaziz managed clients, similar to Abu Bagar Nurmagomedov, they make their start in World Series of Fighting. Fighting, drum it up, please. Danny Davis Jr., the same common opponent, and also Michael Aaron, like really low level. His debut against Vitor Miranda. Vitor Miranda is a former Brazilian K1 champion, but he's like... 40 years old when he took the fight like at that point it was kind of rendered a little bit obsolete and the fight's three years ago okay but he is supposed to fight Joaquin Buckley and uh he he popped he popped for whatever he, he was supposed to fight DiCirico he pulled out he's supposed to fight Buckley and he he popped for something they gave him like a seventh month suspension now effectively he's 35 years old he hasn't fought in three years his most notable victory is definitely Vitor Miranda but I mean like that that is his most notable victory, a forty-year-old Vitor Miranda. So Alex it's like, Luger. what do what what do what do we what do we back on this guy? Now his hands are like sloppy, in that he'll just throw a five-punch combination. Four of them won't land, but the one that does land usually does a lot of damage. What he'll also do is he'll throw a combination to get you to put your hands up. Probably he's not even really trying to land these punches, but just gets you to put your hands up and then fucking cooks you to the body. Like loves to rip the body, loves to hurt these guys. His cardio is okay. His striking, it's wild, but I mean, he's aggressive and he pushes forward. And to me, I feel like that would be enough to beat Marc-Andre Berrio. But why I'm going with Greasy Theory on this one is because Azitar got all that thing against him, uh, with him, right? Rocco connection, got some money connection. What was in the bag, man? What was in the bag? Considering he's got a suspension you think he steroids. was the one who, de- who delivered the bag? <laughs> Scaled the wall? If so, that shows great athleticism, Paul. I mean, scaling a, scaling a wall of a hotel building in the desert is not exactly easy work. It's hot. You get sweaty palms. I'm in rock climbing, man. You need chalk with you when you go up there because sweaty palms is a no bueno. Now, in rock climbing, you fall and you got a harness and you're going to be okay. You fall off the side of this building in Dubai. You're dead. So I would say if it was him, excellent. But beyond that, this is why it just goes back to greasy theories again. 
obviously there wasn't potatoes in the bag, okay? So we can we can discredit that theory, right? And who provided that theory? His manager, Ali Abdelaziz. We'll discredit that theory. Dana cuts the guy because it's so... If you guys knew what was in that bag, you wouldn't even ask any more questions. And yet they re-sign him like a couple weeks later. Why? Because of all those connections we've already spoken about. Got a call from the Prince of Morocco. Now Abu, Abu's coming back and uh, he's 35. And he hasn't fought in three years. And it's like, as tailor-made of an opponent as they could select for him would be probably Marc-Andre Berrio, who might try to threaten the takedown, but probably won't have any overly good success with it. Cardio is okay. Durability is okay. It's going to be a fun fight. Maybe even chase 50 Gs out of it. Not that he needs the money. But it could be a it could be a fun fight. But I feel like in a close fight, they're going to give it to Azitar. And I feel like they specifically picked a guy that was 0-3 prior to that. You know, he... If he's not on the Austrian and he goes back to the guy he was before, like he just gets it worked by these guys. He's got no mm. footwork, by the way. He comes on a straight line. Azitar could have theoretically made some improvements. Who knows? His brother's made some improvements. So if you go by that narrative, he should be a little bit better. And basically, it's all enough for me to take a dogger pass. So I go to Abu Azitar plus 110. I see money is coming on Barrio. I think that's people that are just looking at the fights and thinking, hey, Barrio can win this fight. But it'll be close. And if it is close, I'm thinking the grease comes out here. So give me Abu. I'll join you on that. All right, we got uh, Omar Morales taking on Shane Young. Minus 180 Morales, plus 155 Young. Not even sh- I mean, uh, according to Shane Young's uh, social media, he He was is, also in the room with He Volkanovsky is fighting, but I have seen and, plenty of yeah, credited yeah. Uh, journalists say that this fight was off, so I'm not entirely sure what is going on. There was, at one point, over-under totals for this fight, but I hadn't made the graphics before the fight was canceled and then re-added. So I have no idea if this fight's even happening. Right. Um, do you have a hot take on this one? Yeah, not overly. Again, I think it might be a spot for an underdog play, but part of me just might be I'm so mad at Omar Morales for his last time out against Giga Chikots because I actually, till that point, thought he was pretty decent. The one issue going into the Giga fight is that he's already 34 years old, so it's kind of like piss or get off the pot. You're going to have to m- move up and take on some decent guys. Well, but you, you uh, piss sitting down. Well, who pisses sitting down? When you said piss or get off the pot. I think it's shit or get off the pot. So well, you, have you, you ever sitting down? Well, before I take a shit, actually, it's usually after one triggers the other. Okay. Does that not happen to most people? You take a dump and then right away it's like I feel like that's probably pretty normal. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I again, I, I don't know. But uh, talking about shit and piss, you got. Morales, and I remember he blew a lot of good tickets, man. Like, I think he was on the second, maybe third line, but it's like he was someone that held a bunch of tickets together. And uh, what, I, what my problem with the Giga fight is that, A, he just never let his hands go whatsoever. He was super tentative, had no volume. And B, well, Giga Chikots, why, why are you standing with him? Why does anybody stand with him? Like, uh, even if you were supremely confident in your own striking, like, why not take the guy down? That's the path to victory. That's how you beat him. You take him down. The takedown defense is, is suspect. The grappling is it's ever improving, but it's still suspect. Don't stand with this guy. This accredited Kyukushin karate world champion, black belt, glory kickboxing veteran. Why are you standing with this guy? So it was poor ring IQ A. It was really bad volume B. He got stung multiple times in that fight. But beyond all that, Paul, it was strange to me that it was his featherweight debut. So he fights against uh, the fake Dong Yun Kim, Dong Young Ma, in his debut, right? Decision victory. Hurts him, but doesn't knock him out. That's important to note here because most people that beat Dong Young Ma tend to render him unconscious, right? Well, after the Canones fight. The Polo Reyes fight. The Polo Reyes fight. That's what I meant. Which was the craziest fight of all time. Like, he did get knocked out. He did get that, knocked out. That day, 
Changed his life. His, yeah, changed his life. <laughs> Made him a legend. Mm-hmm. That was the first fight on the best card I've ever seen in my 15 yeah, years of watching the sport. It was everything was on there. McGregor versus Chad Mendez, wasn't it? Rory McDonald versus Robbie Lawler was on the card. It was. I gotta. I'll, I'll look it up. Wasn't it Bisping Rockhold on that card? What Bisping Rockhold two? Let me check real quick. I think it was Bisping Rockhold two. Uh, Los Angeles. Whoops. The Honda in Anaheim, California. Uh, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I just want to make sure. Dong Yong Ma, check. We got a we got a classic call out showdown here. Let's see the card. Oh man, you were right. Okay, but what else was on the card? Okay, so it was Rockhold too. The card also featured. Man, what thing fight am I thinking of? Then? I don't know. You're, you're. I don't know. Actually, this was a good card. It had Brian Ortega versus Clay Guida. It was Clay an amazing Guida. card. And then yeah, that yeah, fight yeah. ended. You up know getting, what? You know what? You're 100 percent. That, that card. That fight ended up getting fight of the night. Even though it was the it was the curtain jerker, and there was just insane fights so, the entire yeah, night. So yeah, Bisbing one of the craziest Bisbing fights. Bisbing had, had the second greatest knockout, and like just I think upset championship fight knockout in Left history. Larry. Yeah, yeah, one of the greatest knockout of all time, right? Dominic Cruz favorite fight actually sucked, but it was on the card. Max Holloway pointing down to the center of the ring versus Ricardo Lamas. That was baller. classic moment. Henderson versus Hector Lombard. Dan Henderson, Hector Lombard. Remember that the elbow? What the hell, man? Crazy fight. Poirier knocked out Bobby Green, which is who knocks out Bobby Green. It was a great knockout. Brian Ortega with a buzzer beater versus Clay Guida in the third. Benil Darius knocks out James Vick. Jessica Andrade was on the card, beating the absolute pit, just absolutely killed Jessica Panay. And then, uh, and, and yeah, you had, oh, the Casey Kinney fight, or the Kevin Casey fight. Ooh, what a joke that was. King Kevin Casey. And then you had, yeah, Polo Reyes versus Dong Yun Mom, which was like an absolutely, just absolute crazy fight. That that ruined Polaris. So to get back to this fight, because it has nothing to do. Sorry, run Dungy Ma. To get back to this fight has nothing to do with it other than Omar goes out there, hits him a few times, not able to put him away. Right? To me, that's a little bit concerning because he's a guy that was largely based on his power. He's out of Sanford MMA, right? So he's training with Henry Hoof. He's training with all the best guys in the world. Uh, you know, Burns and Usman, and just you know, a, a great cast Luke of is characters. Getting ready on this card. Luke is getting ready on this card. All these great things, and then so you're 34 years old. You make your debut. You get the win over Dong Yun Ma. Okay, you know, good little win, but didn't get the knockout. The Gabriel Benitez fight. He looked a lot better, but his volume's off in that fight. You know, it's a very slow-paced kickboxing affair, which again goes 15 minutes. He doesn't overexert himself. He doesn't throw a ton. And then the Giga Chikate fight. He's now 35. And he drops down to 145 pounds. He is 2-0 in the UFC, a lightweight. And yet he makes that weight cut. And I don't know if the weight cut affected him. I don't know if it's just, it was a terrible game plan to try to stand and strike with Giga Chikotse and he got froze up. But man, was it a bad game plan. And so the one thing with Shane Young is that like he does not mind going out there and having himself a throwdown. He does not mind there going and letting his hands go and making it a, a dirty, scrappy fight. Can he take the, can he take the heat though? Because Ludovic Klein put him in a body bag and in the same breath he went the distance with alexander volkanovsky in his debut so it's like is is he chinny does he have a problem i would say ludovic klein which by the way where you at ludovic is the man that guy looked just absolutely potent very dangerous very exciting prospect the fact that he hasn't fought again or had a foot a fight booked again since then you know, who knows? But I'm salivating to see his return. Unfortunately for Shane Young, he was the beneficiary of the highlight reel going the, the other way. So I don't know. It was, a, it was a bad outing for him against a guy that I think is really good. But in the Austin Arnett fight, you see him just absolutely beat him pillar to post. 112 significant strikes landed. You know, he breaks out 100 a marker. He knocks him down. He, he just cardio looked good. I thought his pace looked pretty good. The Rolando D fight, 
you know, again, it's a limited opposition fighter who's primarily a boxer, but Filipino boxer at that. But yeah, it goes out there and just good pressure game, good pace, goes out there, beats him up, puts it on him. So that, that would be my one key to victory here against Omar Morales is he's the bigger hitter and he could knock out Shane Young. But again, he hasn't actually knocked out any opponents in the UFC so far. So if the power doesn't materialize for him, he's going to fall behind on the volume. And if cardio is an issue the way it might have been in the Giga fight, he's going to fall behind. Now, the last thing is Omar Morales is a BJJ black belt. Um, but again, his his reluctancy to try to take Giga down is a big problem. And the one time the fight did end up on the ground with Morales on top, Giga just got back up. So I'm hoping Shane Young's able to put that pace on him, right? He's now put in a camp with, with Alexander Volkanovsky. He has actually put in the camp with Jamie Malarkey. He was putting in a camp, you know, at a high level in a great room. So I would hope that he's in good shape and has shored up all of that. A, room, a room filled with people who all tested positive for COVID. Yeah, and a awkward room because Alexander Volkanovsky beat up uh, Shane Young in his UFC debut and he also has a knockout win over Jamie Malarkey so like they're training with they I don't know if they call him daddy in the room or like what the case is but like it's probably demoralizing to be like I'm a great fighter but like there's levels to this and like you know this guy's just uh, cut above so again I know that Shane Young's not that highest level you can't but feel too bad when the guy's the champ no and so I know I always say like a last thing a last thing a last thing but again C- city kickboxing good camp good guys that he's around he's gonna be in shape he's 27 years old so I'm I'm banking on some improvements out of him fight to fight and for him to get better fight to fight Omar Dog Morales Omar Morales is 35 years old I think that we've seen him at his highest level and the volume's not quite there so the, the smart move is just pass but because I haven't really taken a whole lot of underdogs, what I got Abu Azetar and I got Stipe Miocic, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pencil in Shane Young tentatively because you know the PRP needs a pick. Tentatively, I think I'm gonna take Shane Young for the time being. And finally, this fight got booked literally moments before we came on the air. Alonzo Menafield taking on a super late ro- notice replacement Fabio Charantz. The only line I could find was at Bet Online. It's minus two fifty Menafield plus two ten Charant. Obviously, it was supposed to be William Knight versus Menafield. Those guys were supposed to fight like a month ago or so. Fight was rebooked for today. And then I guess William Knight is at least like a, a false positive or something. I haven't seen the news for it. But William Knight's been rebooked for like April. And Menafield is fighting Charant on a few days' notice. Minus 250 actually doesn't even sound all that bad considering Fabio Charant holds. A Dana White Contender Series second round knockout loss to the not particularly potent puncher in uh, Alexa Kame. Hey, training partner is Stipe Miocic. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess Menafield. Menafield is the pick. Not yeah, gonna yeah, over, yeah. Not going to yeah. overthink it. It's yeah, we, we got a lot of red flags in the case that it's super short notice. Uh, with Fabio Charant, 26 years old, so he's not like he's over the hill, and he's never been knocked out. Well, I mean, he's been knocked out Alexa Kame, but... Prior to that, it's like Chin's not overly a problem. If Menafield doesn't knock him out, is this guy going to be able to extend him? Because that is the problem with Menafield. But yeah, I, I think Fabio Charant's going to be a, a little bit in over his head. And just Menafield's super physical. If he lets his hands go, he's a problem. In his last fight against Office St. Prout, he was tentative. He didn't let his hands go. He paid the price for that. He looked absolutely awful. The fight prior to that against Clark, it's like, you know, Devin Clark just grinded him up. He had a good first round, right? We remember the first round. He landed a couple good uppercuts, swelled up Clark's uh, eye. But all, all, out of that, I mean, his cardio just falls off. All of his wins are these first-round knockouts. He's been to the second round like once, and it was like 20 seconds into the round. So cardio is going to be a problem. Against William Knight, it was going to be another question of, you know, cardio potentially being a problem. Mm-hmm. Against Fabio Charan, I'm sure cardio might be a problem. But now you got 
got a guy coming on short notice, might be able to not be able to push the pace as much as he needs to. I would say Alonzo Menafield comes in good shape. He knows his back's up against the wall. And as long as he doesn't fight a really bonehead game plan against like he did against OSP, he should be okay. That was also the first time he got, you know, badly knocked out. First time he'd been knocked out, but he did get knocked out bad. Cardio was a problem. His game plan was a problem. You don't know. And he's, what, 35 now? Mm-hmm. You don't really know where his head's at. So you don't want to back him at too big of a price tag. And 250 is a be- decent enough price tag. Yeah. But I think he's just too strong, too powerful, too physical. And with Fabio Charent, he shows almost all of his wins by way of submission. He's more of a submission guy. As much as we can laugh at Menifield and you know what Devin Clark was able to do to him and all this and that, is that his takedown defense is actually pretty good. You know, he's very strong. He's very physical. For the first... 12 minutes of that fight. I mean, he's a brick wall. I mean, Clark has no success taken him to the ground. Very, very strong. Very, But, you know, eventually it's just too much for him. In the third round, he is too tired. So if Charant can't push a pace on him, get him to that third round, then without getting those early takedowns, you're going to have to strike with him for a little bit. Benefield figures to hit him. The last thing I really want to say, though, is that this fight, you're you're really going to want to get a, if you're looking to back out of the side, is probably either A, jump on Benefield right now, or B, uh, wait to the weigh-ins and you might you might lose the price because Fabio Charan is probably going to have a bad weight cut in this fight. Of his last three fights, he shows that he did make weight in his last fight against Myron Dennis. It was a light heavyweight championship fight, five rounds. He had to make weight. He made 204. His fight before that for CES against UG, he came in at 209 pounds for mm-hmm. 205 scheduled affair. The fight before that against Eric Murray for LFA... A nationally broadcasted, you know, show the top regional show that gets these guys to UFC. That's this is just three fights back, and it was in 2020. This is not even a year ago. He came in at 213 pounds for his 205 pound affair. He's six one. He's 26. He's kind of a thick enough guy. Honestly, man, he's taking the fight on short notice, and he's got to make 205. So I think Does that he have to make 205. This isn't like they rebooked for like heavy. Well, we don't we don't know as of yet. But if it is 205, he's either gonna make it and really Seems like hurt it's himself, at least according to topology. I know. Yeah, I think either he makes the weight and it takes something out of him, especially because you would need him to bank those later rounds. If he doesn't come out here with great gas tank and a great weight cut, he's in trouble. And if he doesn't make weight. And then who knows? But the fight just got announced, man. Who knows if it's even happening? Who knows what the weight class is? I'm sure he still, ha- yeah, Sharant still has to go through some sort of, you know, meeting with the doctors and everything like that to make sure he's cleared before anything, any yeah. of this happens. And he just fought five and yeah, rounds way his last ins, time out. Weigh-ins, considering, yeah, he wasn't even fighting that all that long ago. He struggled to make this weight class at the best of times, and now he's got to do it on three days' notice. Like, And he, he literally just fought five rounds Five weeks ago, yeah, right. So he fought five weeks ago, made weight. What do you do after a championship fight that goes five Chill rounds? A bit. Chill, and you put some of that mass back on. Let and now some it's of like- those. Let some of those wounds heal. You know all the aches and pains from your training camp plus the fight, dude. There's nothing on this planet. I I'm can sure do they're not doing anything for a couple weeks. Getting me sore, you unless know what they I mean? win by like first round knockout. Like you know, you go through a five round war. I imagine you're chilling for a couple weeks at, at the very least. Yeah, but you get this call and it's like make weight again. So you already know these weight cuts are hard. But he did make it last time as a championship bout. Now you get a quick turnaround. This is UFC calling, so you're going to answer the phone. And you know, yeah, at, at best, at the best of times. He's got five-round cardio, right? He, he could beat Menafield by taking this to the later rounds. And he's a grappler, so even if he doesn't get these takedowns, do what Devin Clark did. Lean on him against the cage. A lot of cage control. But just like he's not Devin Clark, a guy that wrestled collegiately and had some success. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't got tree trunk legs like Devin Clark. He's not a small little guy like Devin Clark who could, has a low center of gravity and can just get mm-hmm. under you and push you against the cage. He's a little bit lankier, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the pick's Menafield. 250 is a bad price tag. I mean, Over we have under, to wait for some know. of the other prices yeah, to open. Yeah, yeah, it just got announced like a few hours ago. So, 
Who, who, who knows, Paul? Who All knows? All right, that is just about it for us this week. But before we go, hit him with the PRP. Okay, we're going to go with Stipe Miocic, dog number one. We're going to go with uh, Vincente Luque, Sean O'Malley, Miranda Maverick. I guess as of now, comma worthy, but that could be the kind of thing. Watch out on Twitter because I could flip flop on that one. Uh, we're going to take Abubakar, even though it's a bad gut feeling. I'm going to take Mikey O, but the play is the under two and a half. Uh, Abu Azetar's dog number two, Shane Young, dog number three, and I'm going to take Alonzo Menafield. So as most people who've been following the sport have realized by now, there's been a ton of cancellations, right? Are these Australian guys fighting? I don't know. We've obviously lost our, our co-main event, which was a title fight. I don't know. What do you go beyond that? Now you got late notice replacement Fabio Chiron. We've already lost Jessica Panay was off the card By today. By the time this show gets released, who the who the hell knows? Oh, I'm William Knight, who was going to fight Alonzo Menafield, already has another fight booked, right? Like Penne Goldie getting canceled feels like a blessing in disguise to me because I was thinking of betting Penne. I was going to go with the underdog. She's got like canceled. a six. It uh, she was she, she was she's the favorite. She was I like minus she, 120, minus 130 at least. Well, it, op- it opened up minus 185 penne. Yeah. And then it, it got steamed down. I mean, I, I'm happy that I didn't have the opportunity to bet it because <laughs> woof. You know what? There's a lot of fights in this card you wouldn't want to bet, but it's like that's not what we do here, right? We go over every fight. You got to make a pick. You got to take a side. And then ultimately when we watch these fights, like, listen, we're fight fans. You could watch the fight straight up. It's like. Always good to have a few bucks on it. And what's the what's the best place to put those few bucks? If you're only betting a few dollars, maybe you chase these underdogs. You're not you're not far off in that you've got you O'Malley took, uh, by KO plus one. Yeah, a Jared Gooden pick. Luke by decision plus one fifty. Yeah. Fight goes to decision in uh, Luke Woodley, just in case Woodley say gets a couple takedowns. Yeah, and is able yeah, to yeah. maintain top control. Yeah. Cover I yourself. I think that way. they'll probably get to decision. The only way that loses, I think, would probably be a Woodley uh, knockout, and then Francis. That's eh, that's more of a Yolo play. Francis uh, Ngannou round one plus two hundred because. I mean, the guy has needed two minutes to finish to, to dispatch of his last four opponents. Take it from a guy who got that Grant Dawson third round TKO at fifteen to one. Those oh, YOLO plays, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? But it could happen. And there was, was one second. You should count your lucky stars if you hit I, that one. I, I'm I, happy for I all did, of you guys did, that did hit that me. one. I did. I mean, you're. How'd you have that fight scored? I thought Dawson was winning clearly. You thought he was up to? Yeah, yeah. I see. I, I thought want, he was going to win thirty twenty seven. I, I anyway. wanted the finish because I had the prop, but also because I was like, I don't know what the UFC judges look at a lot of the time. Who the hell knows? There's always these decisions on every card where you're like, I just don't like it. And uh, I'm expecting on Saturday you're going to get that with Barrio Azatar. What's up? You might not like it. At least it's it. not on the island. If it was on the island, no chance of winning. Yeah, they'd already paid him a show money by this point. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right, that is it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. For Cody Saftik and producer Pat Mayo, I'm Paul Shaughnessy. Saying goodbye and good luck. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.